Welcome. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us today. I'm Delaine England, your host, and I have a wonderful guest with us, Representative Phil Lyman. Representative Lyman lives in Blanding, Utah. He represents District 73, which is like the San Juan. Kane counties and some other counties as well. Um, that Wayne Garfield, yeah, I knew you Beaver. would know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent. And he is. I don't leave of, anyone out. I'm sorry. Say that again. I just said I don't want to leave anyone out. Yeah, right. You're so right. Very wise. See what a great representative he is. That's what I was just going to say. He is. He's a fantastic representative, and we are so blessed to have him for Utah. He is a standard bearer. He is a true patriot, and he makes such a difference in our state. And we're very, very grateful to have him as a legislator. And um, I will throw in there, he's also running for state treasurer. And I, I'm supposed to support that? Like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> um, but because we really love having him as a legislator. And so... He has been very gracious because I think he's on vacation right now. I know he's on in Florida, but we're really happy that one of my favorite spots. We're so happy to have you join us. Welcome, Representative Lyman. Oh, thank you. And yeah, we came down here on an office trip, a post-tax season office kind yeah, of a well deserved a bonus type thing. So yeah, it's fun. I got the whole crew down here. Very very nice. Oh, down at Cocoa Beach right now. That's awesome. Oh yeah. So see what a see what a selfless person he is. He's at Cocoa Beach and he's talking to us. So we're gonna jump yeah. right in because we have a lot of things to discuss because he is on the forefront, he's on the front lines of the battlefield. So Representative Lyman, we several years ago, I can't remember, like three years ago in Utah, we passed some legislation to make medical marijuana legal in the state. Kind of said nullified the federal government. And so what, what's happening with that? How do you think it's going? How do you feel about it? Well, I always love it when Utah takes a position for their own sovereignty versus the, the feds. And, and so I'm 100% in support of, uh, you know, decriminalizing marijuana. The problem that, I, that I've got with this one is that as soon as Prop 2 passed, I think it was Prop 2 that, that um, the people passed for uh, med- medical marijuana, uh, the state kind of stepped in and said, okay, yeah, but we need to regulate this. And you've got people who really just, I think they, they either, they just don't want marijuana or they want to at least get some revenue from it. So, so it turns into a, a system that doesn't work for the patients who, who was intended to benefit. Now they, not only can they not get it, if they, if they want to go through the hoops, they're filling out tons of paperwork and paying fees. And uh, so I feel like, I feel like we need to revisit uh, medical marijuana and decide, you know, either it's legal and we're going to support it or it's not legal and we're not going to support it at all instead of kind of trying to pass it and then, and then regulate it out of existence. Right. 
because it's it's filled with regulation. Yeah. And I believe there's only 15 different vendors that can sell it. Is that right? I think that's what we're up to right now. They 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 started out they started with 12 and then they've expanded that and so yeah, growing it is also highly regulated. Um, and and a person who uh, one of the things I think we're going to push this next season is the is the idea of uh, someone to be able to grow at least a couple of plants themselves in their home for their own for their own use, you know, prescribed use and. And that would be really helpful too. And that's not currently legal because that was in the prop too, that people could grow up to six plants at their own home. Um, Did they take that out? I believe so. I believe, I don't believe oh. it's legal to grow, grow your own. Oh, oh my goodness. Seriously. You, you may be right, Delaine. And I, and I might be misinformed. Well, we better, yeah. Cause to, to be honest, week, so. I remember following in it when it was a proposition. And yeah. then I know that you guys in the legislature, did some, made some changes and it's been long enough. I don't remember the details, but I didn't realize that it wasn't. So that is, that's great homework, but I better yeah. check that out. It seems like any, uh, any bill like that has some state involvement, more and more state involvement, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of where I feel like this has got to. And it's interesting. I was talking with, uh, somebody this morning, you know, the legislatures in general have really poor approval ratings, but individual legislators, people like their, their own legislator. And somehow that's, uh, this, this uh, debate about marijuana falls into that because everybody's looking and saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. How did we get to this spot? But that's just kind of the, uh, that's kind of what happens with large group decisions. They just tend to breed more regulation. They really do. And that is, that's yeah. kind of a problem with a proposition or an initiative is right. the bugs haven't been worked out like you do when you go through a legislative process with a bill. You have all the, all, everyone at the table and you're changing it as you go along. Rarely does a bill start out and end out the same because it gets perfected as you go through the House and the Senate and the committees. <laughs> and so it has a chance to generally get more, um, to just usually get better or get a lot worse. Both of those things happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say per- perfected is not always the, <laughs> the end result. Sometimes it gets just, you know, watered down to where it, it doesn't do what either, either. A perfectly horrible bill is often the yes. case, but, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, that, that is, that's real interesting. And I, I know that, that there are a lot of people that are attempting to use it. And I have definitely heard that feedback that there's so much regulation, which is, I think, true across the yeah. state with almost everything. I feel that way with yeah. our business. I feel like we're so overly regulated. It's ridiculous. Re- regulation and fees. And, uh, yes. and, and Utah's on the very high end of what it costs to get, uh, you know, some medicinal use um, cannabis versus some of the other states. And, and that's unfortunate for the, you know, just from a patient's standpoint. Very unfortunate. And that was kind of part of the whole point because we were already really high to get the, um, for the, for the children, for their seizures, we were already super high. And that was part of the point of making it so that it would be affordable. So people could get it and get it legally and not have to have it shipped in from other states. Exactly. but basically, and, and, you're saying that has not happened. And not from talking to patients who are trying to get it, like you, like you've said. When I talk to them, they're very, they're very unhappy. And it's one of those opportunities, I think, for Utah to, to 
kind of break the mold a little bit and step out and say, you know what, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's do it really, really well. And, um, and I don't think that it has to be, uh, really complex. I think it could, I think it could happen pretty smoothly. I so agree. I think the complex is where you get into the issues. Keep it simple. Yep. Okay. So what do you think, what's happening with eminent domain? That is always a really critical, very, very important issue because it is constitutional to have own property. That's a really important one. And then you have this eminent domain where the government comes in and, and takes your property. Yeah. I think for me, eminent domain is one of those uh, great bills to run. If not every year, at least every couple of years to try to, you know, remind government that they can't just take people's stuff uh, because it seems like, especially at the municipal level, they, they, they have needs and they have, you know, wants and desires and, and eminent domain is an important uh, tool to be able to be used and it has to be used responsibly or it turns into something that, that has to go away. So I'm Tyranny. the big encouragement. Yeah. The big encouragement is to encourage people who have the, the um, inclination to use eminent domain to be very, very careful with it. And, and for this legislature, I think to put some rails on that, that says, now you, if it doesn't, if it doesn't meet, you know, a, a checklist of, of items, it, it doesn't, it doesn't get used. You know what? I think you bring up such a val- val- valid point because not only do legislators need to be reminded the proper role of government and when eminent domain is constitutional, when it is appropriate, we also have to remind citizens because it isn't just legislators who want to take property away from other people. Right. Sometimes it comes because people or businesses want to take property away from other people or businesses. And so I think it is also behooves us as citizens and as people with a microphone to educate on that. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back and we're going to finish talking about eminent domain. Stay with us. Hairballs have hairballs. Marquette Mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I would seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. 
Awesome and amazing day. Hey there, friends. It's John and Chelsea Jubilee. And today we have a message for you women out there. Are you premenopausal, postmenopausal, or maybe you're in the middle of menopause right now? Ouch. Listen, we have thousands of clients that have reported reversing all of their symptoms of menopause. Or maybe you have thyroid imbalances. Same thing for those women. Listen, this is your time. Absolutely. You can reverse all of those symptoms and you can be your real joyful, exuberant, and lean self again. Ladies, I don't care if six doctors told you you can't lose that fat after menopause or in menopause. You can. We have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, even in a medical setting, documented. So make your action call today. Log on to EnergizeHealth.com, EnergizeHealth.com, or call 888-444-8895. That's 888-444-8895. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one. One easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show, and we are so happy to have you join us. We're talking with amazing representative Phil Lyman, representative from District 73 in Utah, and we're talking about eminent domain. And this is a really important issue, and I'm so glad that you brought it up, representative, because this is how this is a really sneaky way that we lose our liberties. And the founders were very clear that the government's role is to protect our life, our liberty, and what we, what they called pursuit of happiness, which they meant property ownership. Because if you can't own your own property, you really can't have freedom. And they did not want for a nanosecond for anyone to think that property ownership included owning people, which is why, um, as in slavery, which is why they took that language out and inserted pursuit of happiness and you can't really own your own business you can't own your own home you really don't have true freedom and and then there is a need for an eminent domain they did put it in the constitution that the yeah. government can for the the good of all for the good of the whole for everyone like for a freeway you don't want somebody to hold on to their house and then we can't have a freeway can't connect. It's just all of a sudden ends and you have to go miles away. So that is for the good of everyone. But we have to be very careful. And I have seen this being misused and abused countless times. And so um, is there any legislation regarding this, Representative? Or do you have any plans? I, I ran a bill uh, two years ago um, uh, based on the Kelo case 
which is the little pink house. I don't, some people may have seen uh-huh. that movie about the little pink right. house and yes. Uh, and there's, so there's a national movement to get state legislators to um, weigh in on that because what the Supreme court, basically they took that, that Kilo case to, to the Supreme court and the Supreme court came out and said, uh, basically, yeah, government can take what they want. And, and so at a federal level, they kind of blew the uh, doors open on that. And so state, a lot of state legislatures are, stepping in to say, you know, not so fast. We're not going to do that in, in this state. We're going to protect per- personal property rights. So it didn't pass two years ago. Uh, uh, Mike Peterson, Representative Peterson, uh, ran the bill, but it didn't didn't get even out of, uh, um, it didn't even go to a committee this last year. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's going to come back again. And it's like, like I say, it's one of those things that should be discussed a lot because it hits at the core of personal property rights. You know, I have to tell you, I, that that bill just went past me. I didn't even know about it. I didn't even hear about it. So I think we really do need to know about that. I think we need to get citizens educated because then they can put a lot of pressure on the legislators and help get that through. I think that is so important. It's really well, it's foundational. Those, yeah, it's one of those principles that you can't delegate powers to the government that you don't have yourself. So exactly. You know, if I if if I really want your property, there's I can either keep offering more money or, or I can, you know, go somewhere else and buy someone else's property. And so to say that the government doesn't have to go through that and with some very, very rare exceptions, um, uh, they shouldn't be able to, to take people's property. And it's also used as a threat. You know, if you don't give us what we want, then we will just eminent domain this. And, and so it comes back to what you were talking about, Delaine, about the, uh, educating people that no, that's, that's not exactly, it's not that simple for the government to just, take it from you. Yeah. People really need to feel uh, how it feels for if they're the ones that own the property. We're having this, I live in Bountiful and we're having this very problem in Bountiful city where, like you said, city, our city officials are awesome. I just love them. They're fabulous, but they, they're misguided in thinking that it's okay to eminent domain the backyards of properties and put a, a, a walkway, right. uh, put a pathway or hike pathway in the back of people's yards without their permission, uh, it changes their property completely. And yeah. Um, yeah, and they're feeling like, well, it's okay because it's for, like a hundred people will probably take that path. Yeah. So I, I do feel that it is our responsibility to educate and it does start on the local level. Like you said, yeah. with principles. Yes, it does. It really is about the principle, people understanding it. So, and you think that bill will come back next time? Yeah. I do. I think it's coming. It's being talked about already, so I'm sure there will be one this coming session. And I think you brought up a really good point. This is an issue that is crossing the nation. This is a national issue. This is not a Utah issue. This is something that is happening everywhere, and that is exactly where people need to be looking. They need to be looking in their cities, their cities and counties. Locally, it's happening where people aren't paying attention, as well as as a state legislature. So. All right. Anything else on that? No, I think we I'm, hit that I'm one so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because honestly, I, that, I'm, that flew under the radar for me. So that's, I'm putting that on my list. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people in, and a lot of businesses with the um, COVID situation applied for and received a lot of PPP loans. It received loans potential loans from the federal government 
to compensate for the government having shut down their businesses or shutting down their company where they work so they couldn't get any um, income. And so they've come up with a whole new plan. Is this a state or a federal idea of taxing PPP loans? Well, it's funny because the federal government, they, they really waffled back and forth. And it was kind of a tug of war between the IRS and Congress because Congress said from the beginning their intent was that if these funds were used uh, in the way that they prescribed, they would essentially turn into a non-taxable grant, meaning the businesses didn't pay tax on the revenue, even if they you know, used it to pay payroll taxes or pay, payroll expenses and then deducted those. So people are saying, well, that's double dipping. It's like, well, no, it's just the, it's just the way the stuff was drawn up. And Utah came out early on and said, we want to make it really clear that Utah is not taxing uh, PPP loans. But the language of the code said the opposite. It said, you know, if it's forgiven, then we're going to tax that. So, so right now we are decoupled from the, from the IRS's and Congress's method where they're saying, no, these are forgiven. You don't have to pay tax on them. You go ahead and deduct the expenses. And Utah saying, no, we're going to tax that forgiven PPP loan. Um, and, and I don't know that there's a principal violation at play here. It's really just a uh, kind of a misrepresentation at the outset of this when Utah stood up on the floor and said, we want to make it very clear we're not taxing PPP loans. And so a lot of businesses kind of relied on that. Now they're finding out that they have to pay tax on that forgiven loan. Yeah, which is significant for many businesses, especially because you don't just we our business was shut down for several months. You don't just jump back. It, it, it's it leaves a, a very serious problem and consequence to your business. Even yeah. though our economy in Utah is quite good, and we do like our business is really busy. The problem is the government's been paying people not to work. So I know <laughs> the problem we have now is. Getting employees to actually, you know, go to get out their rears and go to work and start. Yeah. People want to talk about, people want to talk about the fairness with the PPP loans. And it's like those, those two don't go together. Fairness and PPP. It's like, this is just a, it's a, to me, it's a fiasco from the very start. And, and then like you say, with all the other money that's being poured into pay people not to work and things like that, it just creates so many problems. So, so the taxable side of this, to me, it's just the state saying, when they, especially when the state argues fairness, it's like, but you're the ones that are going to make an extra 200 or $300 million, and that, that's a conflict of interest. Let somebody else argue whether that's fair than the legislature when they're saying we, we, want, we want to tax that. And I would prefer that they, that they didn't tax it, even though it's not an equitable distribution back to the businesses. I mean, it could be, it could be fair. It could be unfair. It's just, it just is what it is, and I think the state should visit that again and they will they're they're looking at it even though we've got 2020s already kind of in the books uh if they did it would be retroactive to 2020 and then of course for 2021 okay we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back stay with us
Welcome back. Thank you so much for staying with us. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. And this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of the defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to our communities and our families. And we're so happy to have you with us. We have Representative Phil Lyman with us. And we're so happy to have, we've had a great conversation and learned a lot about what has happened this last session and what's coming up, what we can be working on, not just in the state of Utah, but really these are issues that are national issues that are affecting every single state. And we're talking about the PPP loans and um, how the federal government has talked about it. And I, I would be surprised if the federal government doesn't end up taxing but you might feel differently representative and how the state of Utah is looking to tax these loans that we were told they were going to be tax free. And now they're looking to um, change their minds after the fact, which I consider, you know, a very serious violation of principle, just literally integrity and honesty kind of bait and switch. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's one of those issues. I love issues that, being a CPA, I like the tax issues. I like the, I like the debate. I like to get into the code and, and try to, you know, unpack things and say, well, what does this say and what does it mean? And, and so again, to me, I don't know how, I don't know. It's a huge violation one way or the other, but it's a really good discussion to have. And it's really good one to help to clarify what is our principles on these things and where do we stand? And, and yeah, for this, for the, I would, I would love to see the state not receive that extra money to leave it in the economy, whether it's with those specific businesses or others to me is not as important as that the state doesn't extract that uh, out for, you know, state consumption. How much money did Utah have in reserves at the, at the end of this, uh, the end of last year? We had a 1.3 billion surplus that we, uh, that we so we're hurting. Spent. So we're hurting seriously hurting financially because 1.3 billion. I mean, that, <laughs> well, that sounds just, like that was just the surplus. <laughs> That's the surplus. Yeah. That was the surplus so for, need... for the one year. The, uh, I, I'm not sure what the actual <laughs> rainy day funds are, but um, it's, it's significant. So yeah. what you're saying is we really need this money badly. So we have to tax the PPP loans because we can't make it without it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. yeah tongue in cheek. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's so fascinating to me how creative some people are about how they can get their hands into our pockets, the different ways they can reach in there and grab some of yeah, their money. So exactly. Is that a done deal or do you feel like we have hope to fight that? Um, I think there's going to be some, some more discussion on it. There's, there's currently discussion and uh, whether it happens in the interim with this ARPA money or if it comes back in the general session, I'm not sure, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't heard the last of it. Okay. And what do you think people, citizens can do? Do you think it's worth reaching out to your legislators, reaching out to the governor? Oh yeah. Yeah. The legislators uh, for sure. I don't, I don't think the governor's had a uh, bill presented to him, you know, so he hasn't weighed in on that. So yeah, the legislators would be the ones to talk to. Okay. And so you don't have the sense of where the governor stands on that. Um, I mean, it, if you're looking at it from a budget standpoint, which the governor does have an interest in, it's, yes, I've heard anywhere between 200 and 300 million. Um, and, uh, 
So I'm sure he's got an interest in it, but, but I don't know where he stands on it. Okay. Okay, great. Well, that's a good homework assignment for everybody that we can work on for, but it could happen in the interim. So maybe August or more like yeah. September, no, October. It, um, it was brought up, it was brought up this last interim as a potential bill, but it didn't get put on the, on the call list. And okay. I don't know if we'll have another special session or not, but. Um, yeah, so that's something we really need to work on. We need to kind of yeah. jump on. Yeah, I think, okay, it's, I, think it's, I think it's relevant and timely. Okay, so that's a call to action to contact your legislators and let them know how you feel about um, having the PPP loans taxed. And, you know, you may feel differently. I, For me, the biggest thing is telling us that it's not going to be and then having it taxed. And I also feel that the more money they tax, the more they spend, the more they grow the government. So I, I definitely, yeah. if you know me at all, you know, I, I totally are on the side of collecting less taxes. Right. That's kind of where I'm at too. Yeah. It's expensive to return the money and they never do. So, right. um, yeah. so I like that. Yeah. Okay. So what, you know, we're always hearing about um, being green and how reducing our footprint and now energy is a huge topic because we were energy self-sufficient and now we're absolutely not and if every day if you go to the gas station um it's higher and higher and so there's all this talk so where do you stand on nuclear energy well when it comes to you know policy and state state issues you're always looking for something that the state can can do that actually brings a, you know, a real tangible monetary benefit, like return on investment to the people that live in the state. And I hate to see the government controlling any type of an industry, but if, but nuclear is one of those that has so much potential. If Utah could, could be out in front of, of that technology. And we are already, we have, we have yes. some of the best, best people. We really are. Yeah. And there's, and there's great, you know, Idaho's, been in it forever, but just this a couple of days ago, and you may have seen the announcement from uh, Wyoming's governor that they were partnering up with uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, Pacific Core and whatever, Terra Power, I think is Bill Gates' company, to do a big uh, development in Wyoming, which, which, is, which is great. I'd rather see power companies, um, you know, doing that than, than Bill Gates and, uh, and the billionaires, but uh, to me, it's, it sends a strong message that, that, uh, that we need to step into this, this realm. Uh, a few years ago, Utah funded uh, or put some money towards a uh, joint project in Emory County for thorium uh, research. And I, I would really love to see, I'd love to see us get something on the ground, get something that's actually producing power and, um, and, and, and take that, take that step. These, these thorium reactors are amazing. The molten salt reactors are fantastic, uh, much more economical than the big um, nuclear power plants that like you have out here in Florida, kind of, right. you know, the 50 year old technology that's, that still is, you know, it's green power. If people want, and that's another thing that I love about nuclear is you get something that's big and, it, and it's understandable and it's nonpartisan and the environmentalists are trying to save the planet cannot fight against nuclear energy. There's just, they, they don't have they a way do to try. stand them. They, do, they try. do try. Very, very, yeah. They do try That's just so fascinating oh. to me. It yeah. answers all of their cries and then it answers the cries of those who want efficient and inexpensive power. So it's 
but then you still get these cries against it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love nuclear energy and, and, and it's one of those you want to say, well, who's, who's going to benefit from an investment, uh, into nuclear energy if it's happening at the state level and, 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 and what it comes down to is you want people at the very local level to benefit. And whether that's, you know, just through really cheap um, energy and abundant energy, or if it's from having some of the nuclear uh, facilities and plants or research centers in Utah, any of the above, I just can't see a downside to, to making um, a real commitment to go that way. Again, and it could be just that, just a commitment. You know, Wyoming said they were going to go green and, uh, and their green is nuclear, nuclear energy. And, and I, was, I was pleased to see that announcement. I guess I will confess anything to do with Bill Gates makes me leary. Absolutely. It's not who I want to partner with. I'm always a Something's, little suspicious yeah. what's Something's going to happen up. there. But that's just being honest, being, you yeah. know, open no, and honest, I'm, full I disclosure. Am, I am a- I am exactly the same way. It's like, it's like, okay, what, what could have been a good thing is going to be turned into something really horrendous. And, but it does, it signals, I guess, a little bit of a change of, um, you know, maybe national attitude towards nuclear, which I think Utah would, we're just so well positioned to, to do something in that space. We are, we really are. And we learn so much and, and it is fascinating how much more safe it is than it used to be. And, yeah, it really is. It's We have a great opportunity here, a really great yeah. – and a great need. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I really hope that that we can work on that. That's, that's a super one. Okay, so um, we have to take a break real quickly, but I was wondering, like, how you feel about hydrogen, especially considering, like – I, I don't, I'm not really up to speed on what's happening at Lake Powell, although I know that we don't have very much water in Lake Powell, but a lot of that is because we're selling it to Nevada and California. But we're going right. to take a quick break. So I've got you teed up. We'll come right back with an answer. So stay with us. We'll awesome. Be right back. Okay. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. You guys, your customer service and everything, you guys are great. And the commercials talk about it, but I don't know if it really gives it true justice. People need to know, this is maybe the most amazing product I've ever tried. It's so pure, it tastes so good, I'm just blown away by it. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code... USA. At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals. There's more valuable information at AVMA. 
Awesome and amazing day, friends. It's John and Chelsea Jubilee with Energized Health. You've been hearing our messages for a while. You've heard Wayne Allen Root and his extraordinary testimony of what's been going on. And women, if you have a husband that is struggling or needs a loving nudge, I encourage you to nudge him off the couch and go check out our masterclass on our website, including the amazing testimonials. And these testimonials are just real people. They're not famous or high-level production. This is real people, people talking on their iPhone, people sitting across from their spouse. They share their real story for the past 23 years, tens of thousands of people reversing arthritis, diabetes, high blood pressure, neck pain, back pain, migraine headaches, brain fog, lots of challenging things. Be a beautiful, beloved skeptic. And come check us out at EnergizedHealth.com. That's EnergizedHealth.com. As a follower of Christ, you are created and called for greatness. Now more than ever before, in his powerful sequel to the bestseller, Kingdom Man, Tony Evans' Kingdom Men Rising calls men to break free of apathetic faith, to take a stand, do more than just exist. You have been called to rise up and influence those around you. Discover how when you get Kingdom Men Rising and learn the art of intentional impact. New from Tony Evans, sponsored by The Urban Alternative. With a Democratic sweep officially in place, we are now at the mercy of tax and spend economics. Get ready for runaway national debt pushing the further devaluation of the dollar. So if you haven't invested in gold, now is the time to protect your savings. Birch Gold Group is the premier precious metals IRA company in America. With an A-plus BBB rating and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold can help you move an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by gold. Go to birchgold.com radio for your free information kit. That's birchgold.com radio. Welcome back. We are, you're listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. We are with Representative Phil Lyman from the District 73 in Utah. And I just asked you, we're talking about nuclear energy, and I also kind of wanted to touch on hydrogen energy and maybe even see what you know about what's happening with Lake Powell. Lake Powell is really an internationally famous lake. It's, a, it's fantastic. I go there at least once every year. Um, it's the one place uh, my kids say Christmas is the best time of the year. No way. It's Lake Powell. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we we love Lake Powell, and there's hardly any water in it this year. It's very low. And have you been there? Have you been there this I year? I, mean, I know you've been yeah. there, but like lately. Yeah, no, I've, I've been there a number of times in the last couple of months, and I'll be down there again probably next week. Okay, so you can get your boat in there? You can still you can still drop in at Hall's Crossing, um, uh-huh. but I think there's about 15 feet of runway left, and it's going to be gone soon. So that is so crazy. So, do you feel like it's because we're in a drought, or do you think that we're letting too much water out? Well, we're definitely in a drought. Yeah. Yes, um, we are in a drought. But yeah, this 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 idea that Utah owes all of its water to California is that's got to be addressed. That this uh, we last year. This last session, we passed that Colorado uh, River Authority, and hopefully we'll we'll get aggressive about you know taking care of that asset. And then the other thing with Lake Powell is that ninety percent of it's in Utah, but ninety percent of the revenue is going to Arizona. Arizona. Um, and um, and, it's, and we need to we need to take care of Hall's Crossing and Bullfrog. And I've got some got some big ideas and some big plans for for that. I proposed a bridge across the main channel and. Uh, UDOT came back with a 
feasibility study and they thought it was feasible. So it's, I don't know how seriously anybody's talking about it, but man, with the water as low as it is, it's like, if you're going to build a bridge, this is a good time to, to think about doing that. And I'd love to see. It is. I would put those two marinas instead of, you know, 130 miles apart, it would put them four miles apart by, by truck or bus or whatever. And I think you'd see some schools and communities build up there. And so I, I would love to see that just, just be more of a resort area for Utah instead of all everybody going to Arizona. I am so on board with that. It has someone who has driven over to Hall's Crossing by, by car. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? It's much longer than what you, it looks like on a map or what even MapQuest says it's going to be. I mean, it is a long drive and you're absolutely right. They're just, they're, they're 20 minutes away from each other by boat and yeah. hours away from each other by car. So yeah. that is, yeah. I, and you know, you're right. This is the time to do it. This, we really should be seizing this moment. It would I change, don't know what it, yeah, it would change traffic, you know, for communities like Hanksville and, huh? and of course, Tickaboo. And I think yes. uh, as far as outdoor, you know, recreation assets, uh, Tickaboo and that, that area just has so much to offer, but it's, you know, it's just a dead end road and, Yes. If the ferry's running, you can get across, but the ferry runs about a third of the time. And anyway, it'd be nice to have a bridge. I think it would. I think we'd see things really develop for that area. And again, I think it'd be a big return on investment over over the next decade. I love it. I think that is such a great idea. I'm really excited about it. Who do we contact for that one? I really like that idea. I think that would it would pay for itself. It would be a great investment. Um, I'm not sure who you contact, uh, yeah, somebody I know, in leadership, you know, in the yeah. house leadership or Senate leadership, uh, um, they kind of set the priorities for UDOT. Uh-huh. Um, but it is, it's, it's one of those that makes a lot of sense. It's just, it's got a pretty good price tag to it and, and doesn't oh, affect, course. it doesn't affect a lot of people now. And so it's kind of this, a big investment on the front end of something that I think would change the, um, kind of change the dynamics of travel in that area. It would be really great for that area. That would would be be really great. Yeah, Yeah, it really would. That's fantastic. Okay. And so what do you think about governor Cox's outdoor recreation commitment? Where do you stand on that? Well, it was, it was massive and it was um, pretty wide open. So, you know, $30 million for trails and nobody knows quite where those are at. And I, those things make me nervous because number one, it's a lot of money from, from the state budget for playing when we've got uh, people that uh, are need that needs, you know, work. So, so then it comes down to, well, what trails are we talking about? Where are they at? And does it have a return on its investment? And um, so I, I guess part of me really applauds the governor for recognizing that outdoor recreation uh, is important, but then part of me makes me nervous that we're, that we're getting the state more involved in what should be, you know, self, you know, market driven and, and companies. And we, and we just live in a strange state where 67% of our land is public. We live in a, a strange world where we, where we look to the government and think that, Oh, well that's federal land or that's state trust land. And we can't do anything with it. And that dynamic needs to change. That dynamic overall. so needs to change representative yeah. and no one knows better than you do. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's that is my that's my total commitment. I, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, it's great that we've got 1.7 million acres of Sitla land that is a real treasure to us, but let's not forget about the 35 million acres of federal land that is a treasure to Utah and sits within our boundaries and is under the jurisdiction of the state of Utah. Yeah, is yes. ours. By, it is ours. By, by geographic boundary, it is Utah, and and it's silly that Utah accepts the narrative that that we don't have any control over that. So it is ridiculous because when you yeah. read the Constitution, it is very very clear the federal government cannot own land. It, it can own twenty yeah. miles square in Washington D.C. ports and posts and buildings like that, but they can't just like own land in a state. They just, right. it's completely unconstitutional and it's time we stand up and do something about it and take our land back. And it really is impacting our state in every single way, especially, especially our freedom. <laughs> it affects our freedom, which, yeah, I know, and that's just one reason we love you. And that's why you were elected representative. <laughs> you know, the short end of that stick. Well, I, yeah, I hear you. And it, and it does affect our freedom and uh, who, who controls the land controls the people and Yep. It, and, it, and it was, like you say, prohibited in the Constitution, yet here we are. So, Well, it's partly because people don't know about the Constitution, and you don't know. You don't know about it. You don't know what your rights are to stand up and, and fight for them. And I think also many people have had freedom handed to them on a silver platter, and they don't really recognize that it's something if we don't fight for it and we don't stand up for it, we are losing yeah. it. We are well, and that's and – that, I, I get so sensitive when the state uh, has shows kind of a proclivity to um, coerce people because that's what the state is supposed to protect the people from is that coercion. So, so even things like a mask mandate, it might seem like a small thing, but it's a really, really big thing because it's like, well, Hey, you're the ones that's supposed, supposed to be protecting us from that sort of attitude. And if you have that attitude yourself, then the people aren't going to trust the state to manage that public land and it, it undermines the whole the whole mechanism to me. Well said. So true. So I want to just ask you really quickly, where do you stand on critical race theory? Is this, very, is this hard to kind of figure out? Do you need to do some more studying on it to figure out where you stand on it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm 100% opposed to, to that uh, uh, as, as a curriculum in the schools. It just... It emphasizes everything that we're trying to get away from as if that's going to, you know, by focusing on or, or discriminating against one race is going to fix all the discrimination that's happened in the past. And I, everyone knows it's a complex situation, but uh, critical race theory is so destructive. I, I, I would like to, well, we, we signed the resolution to, to basically ban it in our schools and, and get a lot of negative feedback, but I don't care how much negative feedback comes on that. That that's, that's a bad, bad practice. Very bad practice. And I'm here to say as a school teacher, it's not going to be curriculum. It's already in the curriculum. It's already invested and folded into every aspect of the curriculum in a sneaky way. So it's very hard to identify, but if you look, so parents, you need to look, you need to see what your children are being taught. Okay, we only have one minute left, Representative Lyman, but as I said at the beginning of the show, you are running for Utah State Treasurer. So tell us, we're really excited about that, in all honesty. So give us your pitch. Well, um, I've got some big ideas as a state treasurer. Some of them go along these lines of nuclear energy and 
water development and transportation development. Uh, right now, states can, uh, you know, we've got basically negative interest rates and some some big big projects that we could do. As much as I hate government borrowing, I think the state seriously needs to look at creating like an infrastructure bank that could empower these counties and these municipalities to really step in and do some some significant projects that would have big big return on investment not consumption but thank you so much thank you for being with us and remember you are the guardian of your liberty thank you <laughs>